Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Yasha Levine. He is a Russian-born American investigative journalist and a founding editor of The Exiled. His work has been published in The Baffler, Pando Daily, Wired, Nation, Penthouse, and many others. He and his wife, Evgenia, split their time between New York and St. Petersburg, Russia. His book, which I highly recommend, is called Surveillance Valley. He is also the author of a recent article called Know Your History. Google has been a military intel contractor from the very beginning. Yasha Levine, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I know this was prompted by some Google employees speaking out against a Google military contract. Uh, what What is the status of Google as a military contractor? I think it's uh, still pretty healthy. Keep, it's still going on, as far as I as far as I know. I mean, they canceled. Um, they said that they weren't going to renew this one contract that they had with with the Pentagon to do drone AI visual recognition uh, technology, uh, which is called Project Maven. Uh, so they weren't going. To, they weren't going to renew that because of the outcry from their employees, but also from the public. But um, all the other contracts that they have. And a lot, some of them, some of which we don't even really are classified, so we don't even know that they exist. But we can uh, speculate on them. Uh, those, those things are you keep going. I mean, you can just you can search um, you can search the federal uh, contract database, and there there are contracts uh, with pretty much every federal agency, uh, including uh, the Pentagon, and Border Control, and the Department of Homeland Security, uh, FBI. You know. Uh, 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 highway patrol. <laughs> um, so it's it's very much a, a police uh, and uh, it's a very much a law enforcement and military contractor, uh, just like most other uh, tech companies. I mean, your book makes them sound uh, even more than most other major tech companies as a, as a major player, as a partner with the military and the CIA and part of the, the PRISM NSA program that Edward Snowden leaked information about and, and really a, a partner uh, with the government on military and surveillance uh, projects. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's accurate. But I, I, I think that Google isn't really, it's of course, look, every company should be looked at separately because every company, every big tech company has its own unique sort of uh, history and uh, in, and prob, uh, products that it offers and, and, and um, things that intelligence agencies in the Pentagon want from these or can get from these companies. But I would I would think that we should look at Google not as an isolation, but as part of the larger Silicon Valley sure. um, complex, which is very much you know we like to think of it, and, and definitely Silicon Valley wants us to think of you know these companies as completely separate from the government, as completely separate from the military industrial complex, and that in fact they are our defenders, right? And they they are the only thing that's standing in, in between us and. Uh, you know, this sort of yeah. uh, surveillance state that wants to spy on us, that wants to exploit us, that wants to kill us, that wants to do all these things. Uh, and so, and, and they've been very effective at projecting that image. Um, but of course, they're very much a continuum. In, in, many, in many cases, they're privatized versions, privatized aspects of the surveillance state and of the military industrial complex. And you have to remember that the NSA doesn't run its own um, mobile phones. It doesn't have its own operating system, right? Yeah. 
It doesn't have iPhones, right? We don't use the NSA's iPhone, right? right? We use we use Apple's iPhones, and we use Google, right? And we use Android. So uh, the NSA could not spy on us as effectively as it does if we didn't have these private systems, telecommunication systems that we use. And so, um, and so the surveillance apparatus is actually very privatized, right? Uh, because all that the NSA does is actually just connect to it. Right. Uh, and, and, and siphon data out of it. And, and, and as Edward Snowden showed, all, every major tech company, from Yahoo uh, to Microsoft to Apple to Google to Facebook, is part of the PRISM program, which um, allowed the NSA, along with the CIA, um, to install these um, custom data taps on, on, uh, in the data warehouses of these companies and allow them to essentially request any kind of information that they wanted on the user. And, you know, and it came complete with text alerts and things like that that would, that would uh, notify, that would send a notification to an NSA analyst saying, hey, the target that you're watching is online and isn't, you know, emailing right now. Yeah. And yeah. so you can, like, log in and look, and look at this stuff. So, you know, um, these are partnerships that, are, that exist, uh, that they, no one knew about them until Edward Snowden blew the, blew the whistle on this. Um, and of course, there are business relationships as well. Yeah. And Google right. uh, is not just a partner in the surveillance partner with uh, intelligence agencies, American intelligence agencies, but is also a uh, a business partner, uh, and and it sells uh, customized um, solutions, data solutions to uh, the NSA, to the CIA, uh, to uh, pretty much every federal law enforcement and intelligence agency there is. Um, right. And these are ver- versions of kind of the, cus- the consumer stuff that we use, but 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 um, souped up versions of those things. Right, Yasha Levine. I, I should make clear that your book, which is tremendous, uh, Surveillance Valley, uh, does not focus exclusively on Google. And I'm not intending to pick on Google as as the exclusive <laughs> corporation at fault here. I'm just trying to make sense of the protest by Google employees because, frankly, I'm thrilled that anything like it, no matter what its flaws or, or errors, uh, could happen at all. And so I'm wondering when you document that you know Google's partnered with Lockheed Martin. Martin on projects around the the occupation of Iraq and so forth. Are are Google Mm -hmm. employees ignorant of what Google has been doing all these years, or are they objecting to a particular type of weaponry, as some people oppose automated drones, but they don't oppose drones where a human being pushes the kill button? What what is going on here? That's a really good question, and I I was struggling to understand that myself. Uh, I think there's a combination of things that are happening. I think that, um, I think Donald Trump is, it plays a big role in this, um, and and uh, the fear surrounding automated weapon systems and automated uh, AI weapon systems also plays plays a role in this. Uh, I'll say that Donald Trump has been a total disaster for Silicon Valley, a uh, total public relations disaster, because what was um, seen by many as, as sort of okay under the Obama administration as the the that the the the, the close collaboration between Silicon Valley and the Pentagon was looked at, people were willing to uh, sort of uh, ignore it, I think, uh, much more readily because Obama represented something that people, it was, you know, it represented a positive force, I think, to a lot of people in Silicon Valley, um, to uh, people who worked in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, it, it was somehow easier to work with the Pentagon and right. to think, that, well, yeah, we're helping the Pentagon, but, you know, it's like, we're just, you know, uh, it's all right. Like, it's, it's not a big deal. 
But with Donald Trump, it's those that, those relationships have come, become much harder to ignore. To uh, in Silicon Valley, to to workers, I, uh, that that is my sense of it. And so they are thinking like, okay, we're now directly aiding this administration, this horrible administration that's doing all these horrible things. So sort of the ugly, it's much, it's beca- it became much harder to hide the ugly face of American imperialism um, with Donald Trump at the helm. Wow. And and I think a lot of people. Uh, uh, began to see their uh, companies as um, part of the problem, you know, because they're colluding and helping the Trump administration do these things. And they don't trust Obama. I mean, they don't trust Trump to make the right decisions uh, with, you know, a killer AI drone fleet. <laughs> Whereas maybe under Obama, it would have been, they would have maybe uh, given him the benefit of the doubt or given the Pentagon the benefit of the doubt. And so there is a yeah. there is a perception uh, shift that has happened with the, uh, with the election of uh, Donald Trump and I mean, I, I, I'm very. Uh, I, I, it's, it's one of the, to me, it's one of the, uh, you know, small but positive things that is uh, that has uh, happened because of Donald Trump is because of the collusion between Silicon Valley and and the Pentagon has been harder to ignore for a lot of people in the industry. It's it's a very interesting answer. I I was predicting falsely, uh, erroneously, and hoping that we would see that sort of shift in a major way in terms of peace demonstrations in the streets by ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Yet when I saw that Google protest, I didn't uh, I didn't uh, I didn't understand it in those terms. Uh, but uh, but you may be absolutely right that Google employees are objecting uh, because the president is Trump. Uh, uh, and uh... it's it's the first time. Look, I've been I've been covering um, I've been covering this uh, the collusion between the military or the, the relationship between Silicon Valley and uh, the military industrial complex now since I'd say for about six years specifically just this this topic. I've been covering it and writing articles about it and exploring that relationship. And I have not seen critical coverage uh, of this of this relationship until Donald Trump was elected. I mean, there was coverage of it, and you, you can read it, you know, uh, in the New York Times, you can read it in Wired Magazine, um, stories that look into various projects that are being pursued uh, collaboratively between Silicon Valley and the Pentagon, but they're always ob- objective and very neutral. They weren't, they weren't critical. They were just sort of reporting the facts, you know, and, and maybe even maybe even positively. Um, as like as as a, as, a, as as a new kind of better way of managing empire or whatever, yeah. uh, but it, but after Donald Trump, it, the, the 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 coverage, even from publications that would normally be um, very sort of enthusiastic about anything that Silicon Valley does, um, has become much more critical and are, are willing to go there uh, much more readily and it's much more acceptable. So yeah, I think Donald Trump is a big headache for Silicon Valley uh, because that sort of uh, progressive image that they've been able to craft all through the Obama administration, because a lot of these companies, if you remember, I mean, they really, they don't really even go back to the Bush era, really, in the public imagination. I mean, they may, they may have existed, right, but they weren't really as popular back then. Right. And so these, these, these companies have become as powerful as they are today, um, just in the last decade. Uh, and so... They, their their whole messaging and their and their public relations strategy has been crafted around that um, perception of, of of America, uh, which people had under Obama, and so it's it's they haven't been able to transition very well. They they've been floundering and struggling with it, and they they be getting hit hard. And so I'm glad for that. Right. I, I just hope that it doesn't happen if like another president comes in who is you know maybe a little bit more progressive or is a Democrat, and suddenly everything's okay again. 
Right. Well, I hope more can be done about it than just the protest we've seen so, thus far from a minority of employees at Google. Uh, Yasha Levine, the, in the book, uh, Surveillance uh, Valley, uh, I, I mean, I, I wish we had an hour for each chapter. I mean, this goes through history back to the development of computers and the Internet. But I, I, in the limited time we have, I want to jump first to the, to the final chapters uh, because they relate to the topic of Google and, and to the well-known figure of, of Edward Snowden. Uh, I mean, Google's mm. Google's search interests, advertising interests uh, mesh perfectly, as you describe them, with the interests of the surveillance state. Uh, and uh, and Google tried for years to keep this secret from its uh, from its customers slash users slash victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you describe <laughs> Edward Snowden as having, you know, the, the the key threat in his hands, the ability to expose uh, and ruin. Uh, the nefarious practices of these private corporations, and you fault Edward Snowden for choosing not to do so for ideological reasons. Can can you explain that? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, Edward Snowden was a kind of a big letdown because he here he was, uh, you know, the most famous uh, whistleblower, uh, whistleblower and leaker of our of our time. Um, the the global spotlight was on him. And and the first reporting that came out around uh, when he went, uh, was uh, when he when he first leaked those documents was about the collusion of, of the biggest Silicon Valley companies and and the NSA and how they were working together to create this global surveillance system and the, the program that we talked about uh, Prism um, and so there was this huge upswell of of of, uh, of concern about this and people were really outraged people were protesting. Um, there was a, people wanted to do something. Suddenly, privacy was at the forefront. Internet privacy was at the forefront of the national and global debate. But what Edward Snowden um, chose to do there was to, to not direct people or to call people to you know, go and become politically active and go and do something to start some kind of movement to change politics, to change the laws, to change the political culture of our society, so that this kind of behavior would not be tolerated, to basically regulate surveillance, both private and government. He didn't do that. He didn't want to regulate or didn't want to ban surveillance uh, through political and legal means. He wanted, he channeled people's energy into technological solutions to our privacy. So he was very skeptical of politics because he is a libertarian and he doesn't really believe in organized politics. Um, He's a... he was. He believes that it's corrupt and that it it it, it will always be corrupted. Uh, and so the only true way to protect our privacy and to guarantee our privacy on the internet was to use technology and to use uh, crypt- cryptographic tools. And so he channeled everybody's energy, you know, this energy, this upswell of energy, to do something about our privacy to solve the problem uh, that has been ignored for so long and uh, allowed to sort of develop. Uh, behind the scenes, he channeled it into tools like the Tor Project and to um, these apps called Signal and some other ones. But these very, very narrow tools that protect your privacy on the Internet, but in these very, very narrow circumstances. You know, so, okay, one tool will protect your browsing history from your ISP. Another tool will make it harder for, you know, uh, law enforcement to read your uh, text messages. But that is something, you know, that is a tiny little problem that solves a tiny little problem, but it doesn't address the root, um, uh, the problem at its root. 
which is that you have this industry, Silicon Valley, that's based on surveillance as a business model, and that this business that this business um, connects very closely and tightly to the national security state, uh, and to somehow regulate that relationship and to make sure that giant corporations can't spy on us, to make that illegal in some way, and to and to try to rein in the power of of, of government surveillance as well. Yeah, he just went purely techno. And, and, but why? He's a smart guy, obviously. Why would he? I mean, hasn't every previous arms race involved each side upping the other? I mean, why would there be a, a secrecy tool that ordinary people would develop? And we'll, we'll get to the fact that they didn't. Uh, and that yeah. that the government would would be permanently incapable of ever surmounting. Uh, has any other arms race ever involved that un- <laughs> unlikely scenario? Of course not. No, I mean, look, Edward Snowden is unfortunately a victim of his own ideology, right? And and his his, his libertarian ideology is led him to this narrow vision of how to tackle political problems. And so, and it's uh, you know the way that I think about it is it's a very NRA kind of way of uh, way of looking at the world, National Rifle Association uh, viewpoint, uh, which is that you know that you need that you know the only way to protect yourself. From government surveillance or from, from from exploitation of some kind, of, to arm everybody, so that everybody has to have their own gun, and that is the only way that you can uh, protect yourself right. from from government power. Uh, and what Edward Snowden was uh, uh, suggesting was that everybody arm themselves with their own crypto gun, with their own encryption weapon, so that they can protect individually. They can take an individual action to protect their own. Uh, you know, data sovereignty or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And and then we would have this sort of, you know, this sort of standoff always with the government. And that enough, in enough, if that if enough citizens and people uh, joined in this uh, uh, revolt, you know, we would be able to neutralize government power. But the problem with, with Edward Stone is that he very quickly stopped talking about corporate surveillance and private surveillance. And he was actually saw companies like Google and companies like Apple as part of the resistance to, you know, part of the privacy resistance because it was these companies that could, that were the internet, right? That, that these are the companies that we were, that we used to access the internet, to, to do anything on the internet. And so he, he called on them and engineers that worked at these companies to, to be part of the resistance, to build these weapons and to protect regular users from the government. And so for, very quickly for him, he went away from looking at corporate surveillance and how that tied into with government surveillance and just looking very narrowly at government surveillance and what people can do to protect themselves from government surveillance. And so that was the big letdown of, of the Edward Snowden saga, I think, and, and, and a very big missed opportunity for him um, and just and for the world. Yeah, but, but be, uh, beyond... Be, 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 sorry to interrupt, but but beyond no, beyond that, uh, and and beyond the question of whether secrecy is somehow good for organ nonviolent organizing now, when it never was before, the latest technologies uh, that that also facilitate all kinds of immoral crimes and so forth. Uh, it, it, there's yeah. the question. I mean, and this seems like a, a big claim that comes to, late in your book that you base on Freedom of Information Act uh, request uh, uh, produced documents that that Tor and Signal and some of these technologies that are going to save us from the government were actually military projects to begin with. Yeah, look, exactly. And they're, and they're military projects and they're 
projects that are that are funded by this wing of of the U.S. government that is involved in in, in projection of soft power, uh, and so Tor and Signal are not, right now funded by the U.S. government to uh, as tools that to arm uh, dissidents in in foreign countries and to and to uh, to to make it harder for countries like China and for countries like Russia and countries like Iran to. Um, to control their own sovereign inter- internet space, right? So, uh, because those those tools, first of all, hide, you know, the, allow activists to organize away from the prying eyes of their government, right? And to do things, that, you know, in a way that the government can't see, but also allows you to sort of punch through uh, national firewalls that are erected to by these governments to protect themselves from, you know, what these governments see as you know, American propaganda and American efforts to destabilize their countries using, you know, Propaganda and uh, various other means, psychological means that is, that is broadcast through the internet, and so these tools are, that come, are cu- come out of specifically the Broadcasting Board of Governors, and the Broadcasting Board of Governors comes out of a CIA-funded um, uh, psychological warfare uh, program that started in the Cold War. Um, Radio for Europe and Radio uh, Radio Liberty came out of that, uh, and so it, it was it was taken out of the CIA in the 1970s and became funded in the open by Congress. But these are the structures where these privacy tools come out of. They come out of government structures. They come out of um, uh, intelligence-linked structures. And they are funded by the government because they're seen as tools of empire that can project power, uh, American power, in the age of the Internet. And they they don't work, mm -hmm. right? Well, I mean, they work on some level, you know. So, I mean, if, if if you're like a Coke dealer, maybe, you know, and you're, and you're trying to hide your communication with your clients from, from the local police department, right? Um, yeah, they'll probably work because the local police department is not going to, you know, expend the energy to decrypt that and to get the FBI involved, right, in, in this kind of investigation. But if, if you're taking on government power, if you're taking on the NSA, right? Yeah. Um, these tools, while they might offer some protection, in the end, will only give you a false sense of privacy. Well, first of all, because you can be arrested, your, your your phone can be seized, and your phone can be hacked physically, and all the messages that you have can be retrieved. That's what happened with a lot of the people who were protesting Donald Trump's inauguration, um, J20 protesters. Right. Uh, they were organizing through Signal, and they were all arrested, and then their phones obviously ended up with the police, and they were cracked, and all of their messages got uh, used against them in the court as evidence. And so people thought that they were organizing and they were planning these actions totally, and nothing that they said would ever be available to the U.S. government. They were wrong. Um, WikiLeaks uh, published this trove of CIA hacking tools that showed that um, the, the agency has, has, has the ability to to hack phones on a, on a, on a, on a operating system level so that it doesn't even matter if the app is encrypting anything. The CIA can get at the information before the app even encrypts the information. So, um, so there are all these there are all these things uh, that um, that uh, there are limitations to these tools. But I think that their biggest limitation is not even that they can't hide you from the U.S. government, but that they take away people's attention away from the what which I think is a more important issue, which is corporate surveillance and private surveillance, because that is the the main issue of our day. The tools that we use every day online, Google, Facebook, 
they their business models are built on surveillance. They're built on psychological profiling, and they're built on targeted advertising, which is, means targeting people for influence based on their psychological profile, right? And selling that influence to the highest bidder. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so those when when, when Snowden says use Tor and use Signal. Those two tools do not protect you at all from Facebook. They don't protect you at all from Google. At all. Zero yeah. protection. And yeah. so what it does is it makes people think that they're protecting their privacy. And in some cases, in some narrow cases, it, they are protecting their privacy. But they are completely leaving themselves open to corporate surveillance by companies like Google and Facebook. And... Even worse, they're, they think that they're doing something positive. They think that they're protecting themselves, and they might even feel good and, and, and they move on to other things in their life, right? So it sucks out the air from what, what should be a, a larger privacy movement and, and concern and, and, and just redirect it to this very, very narrow kind of protection and makes people think that they're, they, 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 did, they, they did it. You know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can. I, I downloaded this app. I'm using it. I, I fixed my privacy. Meanwhile... You have Google just stifling your entire life and using it, uh, using it for their own profitability and leasing it out to political campaigns, uh, you know, uh, making it available to the NSA, to the FBI, to the CIA, all these things, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the bigger problem with, with focusing on these apps and these technological solutions is that they are very, very narrow, and they don't address the bigger problems, which is, of course, corporate spying. Uh, indeed, we, we've got just a, a couple of minutes left. What what does this mean for ordinary people, for activists, for whistleblowers? What what bad advice are people being given? Well, look, I, I think that um, I think that we we need to look at the internet as not something that's separate from our world and from our politics, but as something very deeply rooted in it. Um, the Internet is dominated by spies and by giant corporations because our society is dominated by those things. Um, in order to return you know, the Internet and make it somehow more democratic and make it useful to, to regular people, and uh, we have to actually make society more democratic and somehow useful and, and, and beneficial to regular people, right? So those things are not disconnected. And so we have to, I think, move away from technological solutions to privacy uh, and, and think of Internet privacy as, as part of a larger um, anti-corporate um, um, movement of some kind. You know, uh, it has to be firmly planted in, in a larger politics, in a larger political movement. Is, is, um, is Europe doing that at all with its new laws? They make any difference? I don't. I mean, I think it's a good. It's a good idea what they're doing, you know, and it, and it is making things more transparent. But I don't think it's very democratic, you know. I think it's still very much, you know, top down driven, uh, and e Europe might have might might be better at regulating um, these companies uh, because you know America doesn't regulate uh, its own internet companies at all. So Google, so Europe is is a bit better, but I don't think it's still part of a larger political movement, right? It's not like it's not. It's not, um, again, it's not part of a political movement. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we're having a kind of resurgence of left-wing politics now. Um, people are you know, uh, pushing for uh, public health care and Medicare for all and, and a kind of a, a, an attempt to reorient some of, these, some of these really exploitative structures in America that, that actually make them actually work for, for people, right, rather than against them. And so I think 
The internet yeah. needs to be a part of that. It needs to be a plank in that, right? Um, that you need to uh, reorient the internet from just being the surveillance tool that enriches these giant corporations and enriches uh, the intelligence databases of, of, of our military-industrial complex. We, we, will have, um, we will have to end it there. It's a good note to end it on. The, I highly recommend the book, which we've barely touched the surface of, Surveillance Valley by Yasha Levine. Yasha, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.